What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Michael Kist. Are you copy not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen! It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 88, brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. You can follow my work at BleedingGreenNation.com. Follow me on Twitter at MichaelKistNFL. That's K-I-S-T. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Eight Year Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, how you doing, brother? Mike, I'm going to be honest with you. Every day is a good day to be alive. Ha <laughs> ha, you thought it was going to be something else. I knew Trickster it would be. over here. How's the new mic and your and your engagement? That was unnecessary. We could have moved on. <laughs> I told her about that, by the way. She found it oh, very yeah? funny. I don't think she's listened to the podcast at all. But no, she found it very entertaining. Her her, uh, her roommates were more upset than, I, than she was, which is a good sign. As long as they don't sow those seeds of dissent. Ben, I've got personal news of my own. I'm going to Disney tomorrow. Yeah. Two days. Bringing my godson with you. Little Gussie. Little Augie. We baby Augustus going to Disney for the first time. So I'll be out for the next couple of days. So we've really got to hit a home run with this one. And seeing as the last time that we tried an experiment like this, which was a seven round mock, it was a dueling mock. Both of us selected Jeffrey Simmons, defensive tackle from Mississippi State, who then not a full day later tore his ACL while training. That was as obsolete as it could be. So let's be really careful with who we pick in the first round is what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this time we're going to take another crack at it. We're going to be doing it live using the same scenario for each other built for us by Draft Network's mock draft machine, which you can use yourself at draftnetwork.com. The draft that we're doing, not going to be dueling. We have to come to an agreement on these picks. We have no idea how this will go. There are no restarts. We're going into it completely blind the way that God intended. So let's get to it. Ben, I think you've already run this simulator up to pick 25, which is where the Eagles yeah. will be selecting. What are some names we got on the board there? Yeah, well, let's scroll through and just check it out. Kyler was number one to the Cardinals. Bosa, Allen, Devin White, Greedy Williams at five to Tampa, which they would not be psyched about, knowing Bucks fans. Juwan Taylor, Giants, Jags, Rashawn Gary, Lions, Montez Sweat, Bills, Quinn and Williams at nine. Sounds wild, but I released the post on the Draft Network yesterday. Uh, five bold predictions for the first round. And listen, if the Raiders don't go Quinnen at four, and we're assuming Tampa keeps Gerald McCoy, Quinnen to the nine to at nine to the Bills is very possible and would be insane for that yeah. team. How desperately they need a pass rusher. I mean, they have Starlow to Lele and Harrison Phillips as their starting defense tackles right now. Which like no pass rush. Knock knock five years off star low to Lele. It's the best run defending interior you've ever seen in your entire life. But as is, there's just no pass rush juice there whatsoever. And so uh, nine Quinn into the Bills, ten Dwayne Haskins to the Broncos, eleven Devin Bush to the Bengals, twelve TJ Hawkinson to the Packers, thirteen Drew Lock Miami, fourteen Falcons at Oliver. Mm. 
15 DK Metcalf to the Redskins, Brian Burns to the Panthers, Cleveland Furl to the Giants, Andre Dillard to the Vikings, Nikhil Harry to Tennessee, Byron Murphy goes 20 to the Steelers, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, oh no, 21 to the oh. Seahawks, 22 uh, Baltimore, Cody Ford, that's also a sad one, 23 Jonah Williams, Alabama, that, uh, Texans, that sucks, 24 the Raiders take DeAndre Baker, it's a bit of a curveball, and now we're here Philadelphia 25. Uh, Christian Wilkins still available on the interior defensive line. Joshua Jacobs, the running back, obviously also still available. Garrett Bradbury, NC State interior offensive mm-hmm. line. We talked about potentially, hey, like if Bradbury's the pick at twenty-five, would you be upset? I'm like, no, nah, maybe not really. And then at safety, you have Nasir Adderley. If you're looking exclusively for offensive tackles, they left the board there, and so it's Dalton Reisner and Greg Little, Yanni Kajus are going to be kind of the top guys that you expect to be around there. Maybe Caleb McGarry if he sneaks into the back of round one. So. Jonah Williams and Cody Ford going there 22-23 really hurt because those would have been nice. Obviously, Chauncey's off the board, but Nasir's still there. What are you thinking? My first thought is, in a real-life scenario, both the Texans and the Eagles should be moving up if Cody Ford and Jonah Williams start to see a slide in that area. I would have liked to have seen them drop to us, but obviously at 23, the Texans have to take a tackle there. So good for the simulator for nailing that. My highest-rated player is probably, in this scenario, Garrett Bradbury. However, I feel like for what the Eagles want immediately, both short-term and long-term, I feel like Christian Wilkins would Mm. be the pick here. Obviously, the Jordan Howard signing helps the Eagles not have to really reach for a need with Joshua Jacobs. He wouldn't be the top player on my board anyway, but that kind of also helps him push him to the side. Nasir Adderley and Garrett Bradbury would be two really high. I think Christian Wilkins is close enough, uh, like building through the trenches for the Eagles on the defensive line, be an excellent third tackle and then a tackle for the future for the Eagles. What are you thinking? I really think that 53-57 is just the sweet spot to attack running back if the guy you like is there. Right. This is not a good running back class. But nobody grades harshly enough that they wouldn't have running backs they'd be willing to take with 53-57. You know what I mean? Like, I have two. Right. Jacobs and Henderson. So if the Eagles walk in, they have two, like Jacobs and Henderson. They say, all right, if we get to 53-57 and one of the two is there, that's what we'll take them. And then if not, we wait till the fourth round, and then it's dealer's choice. You know what I mean? There's just a bevy of dudes. So... I think 53-57 is that spot to get that impact guy. So I don't expect him to go running back to 25. So I agree, no Jacobs. Noah Fant is my highest ranked player who's still available. But yeah. somebody asked me once, they were like, what if the Eagles draft Noah Fant? I was like, well, <laughs> I said, I called dibs on the article how the Eagles 13 personnel package revolutionized offense in the NFL. Like, you know, because <laughs> I just don't even know what defenses would do. Like, I have no conception for how the offense would work and how the defense would work you would have three tight ends that would spend more than 35 percent of their snaps in the slot basically right right? i mean you would you'd basically run 11 personnel just two of your tight ends would be or two of your wide receivers would be over 250 pounds but also that would be such a nightmare still be high quality athletes at that weight and so it's not even like you're losing dynamic ability either way fun hypothetical christian wilkins i agree is the pick so we'll hit it christian wilkins at number 25, defensive tackle for Clemson going at 25. Guy's going to give you good run defense, good pass rush. So I like Christian Wilkins. He's a high player on my board, often balked to the Eagles, and for good reason as right. well. Wilkins is a tricky one because because he's like a big culture guy. People yeah. think that, like, you know, he might go at like nine. Like, I've heard like Joe Marino, my colleague at the Draft Network, Bills guy, say, like, listen, like, Bills are going to love Christian Wilkins' attitude. If they have a high enough grade on him, they'll just take him at nine. But then at the yeah. same time, like film-wise, he's the fourth defensive tackle, or third, because you just knocked Jeffrey Simmons for the, the injury. It's, he's he's a, a wide range of players. I think 25-26, Eagles and Colts are his floor. 
and he might go earlier than that. Yeah, and that's a product of the interior defensive line class being fantastic. Obviously, Howie Roseman calling the defensive line class as a whole historic. And because it's historic, guys get pushed down. It helps us out in this scenario. So, boom. Christian Wilkins at 25. What are we looking at at 53 here? What happened right before us here? Because I'm seeing Taylor Rapp has gone. Dexter Lawrence is gone. Chris Lindstrom has gone. Official visit. LJ Collier is gone. Greg Little's off the board. Offensive tackle here is in a weird spot. They go quick. Dalton yeah. Re- uh, Reisner's off the board. Reisner and Wilson both left. Josh Jacobs is off the board to the Raiders early in round two. So as the board fell, uh, this is where we'll start to begin to see some wide receivers being the highest ranked player just because there's so many of them. So Paris Campbell, Debo Samuel, Emmanuel Hall, guys who can be slot Z options, guys with some good speed, which is exciting. Safety remains strong. Darnell Savage, Juan Thornhill, Deontay Thompson, all on the board. Very exciting. Caleb McGarry, name that I brought up on the being in the first round, is also available along with Yandy Kajus, David Edwards, and Michael Dieter, who's not exactly an offensive tackle. He's like a guard tackle swing. Um, but still some strong names at offensive tackle as well. Remember, the Eagles also have 57 coming up. So uh, you have safeties, you have offensive tackles. And let's see, running back wise. Yeah, Miles Sanders, Daryl Henderson, David Montgomery, all sitting around still available. Yeah, I get the feeling right here that I'm going to pitch something like a, like a Savage-Henderson combo. I know Debo Samuel is really enticing right there. And we've talked about him as possibly a selection at 53-57, shore up that slot. I mean, he's got inside-outside versatility, more so than Nelson Aguilar would, more so than A.J. Brown does right now, who is an official visit for the Eagles. I'm feeling right here, because I'm so high on him, I'm feeling Darnell Savage, the safety yeah. out of Maryland. What are you thinking? So here's what I'm, here's what I'll tell you right now. So the Eagles at 53, and then there's 57. Between 53 and 57, the Texans pick twice. The Patriots pick once. And the Patriots needs edge, interior defensive line, wide receiver. Don't really matter. The Texans, two picks. Already drafted an offensive tackle, but have right. offensive tackle as an, a, another need. Like, it's listed twice on their team needs it because be. they need two, which is, like, what well, this is ridiculous, but it's true. And they also have safety listed as, as an even bigger need than offensive tackle. So they could atta- attack safety and offensive tackle. Running back is further down for them. Don't think they're going to be attacking running back early in the draft. I think it'll be a late pick for them. So safety and offensive tackle are the two positions. I'm worried about the Texans poaching one of our guys. Yeah. To me, I agree it's Savage. I mean, like I have Thornhill ranked higher, but uh, like you know, like to me, Savage Thornhill. Don't care. I've got seven safeties in that day two range, so those guys are very close for me as well. Right. I'm just hoping one of Yanni Kajus and Caleb McGarry makes it to 57. Because okay. I don't want to go running back there. I want to go off the tackle. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if, if you'll give me Savage, I'll concede to you if Caleb McGarry yeah. falls to 57, that the Eagles will take him. Or Yadney. I know you don't think Yadney's healthy, but he's going to be fine. <laughs> All right. I'm just worried about the injury history. All right. This is high stakes. I'm about hit draft. Texans take Lonnie Johnson. Elton Jenkins. Yes, we're clear. All oh. right. So Yadney or McGarry. I have Yadney higher on my board, but there are injury concerns there. And he also, he, he, he tore his quad, if I'm not mistaken. He's got the ACL in his knee. He's got a knee sprain, I believe, in the same knee. Who do you have ranked higher on your board? You have Yadney higher? Yadney, comfy. Comfy, tape-wise. It's, it's, a big, it's a big delta. The thing about Caleb McGarry is the last time we saw a tackle, you know, he tested like Colton Miller level athleticism. Colton Miller went 10 not off of tape at all, exclusively off of yeah. athleticism. And McGarry right. is that level of an athlete. And especially in like things that matter for offensive linemen, like 10-yard split and vertical jump, whatever, like he, or broad jump, excuse me, he really strong. Tape-wise, he's not as good as Yanni. Like tape-wise, he's gonna he's like around four grade for me, I think. He's better than Colton Miller was. Yeah. They both 
in my grading system jumped up a whole round of grades based off their athletic ability. So, right. McGarry, I wouldn't hate it at 57. I would prefer Yadney. I do not think okay. the health problem is that big of a problem. But, like, teams are going to prefer McGarry because of the athletic ability. Let's go with Yadney, and let's just say that we are not doctors, and let's just say at the combine his knee checked out fine because that's one of the concerns we just really don't know about. So right. we're going to go with Yadney Kajus out of West Virginia. West Virginia connection, baby. That's the way it's got to be. Let's recap here. For the first pick, 25th overall, we have Christian Wilkins, interior defensive lineman from Clemson. With the 53rd overall pick, we had Darnell Savage, the safety was going to play closer to the liners, line of scrimmage early in his career, and then he can do some single high stuff later in his career as he gets more comfortable working from further back in the defense. And then at pick 57, we took an offensive tackle, Yadne Kajus from West Virginia. When we come back here on the Kist and Solak show here on Bleeding Green Nation, we'll be going through the day three picks for the Philadelphia Eagles in this seven-round mock. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back here on the Kist and Solak show. Just going through the seven round mock with my friend Benjamin Solak brought Howdy. to you by the fine folks at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. Ben, I think you got us to the point where you're at pick 127. Yes, sir. What are we looking at here? So as is going to be the case, like I said, dealers choice on running backs. There's going to be guys available. David Montgomery, Damian Harris, Justin Justice Hill. Devin Singletary, Travion Williams, Rodney Anderson. These are all running backs that are available round four. Now, you might say like, oh, David Montgomery's not going to be available round four. Okay, well, if he's not available round four, it's probably because he was already drafted. It means somebody else is. At this point, we've had three running backs go in the first three rounds. Yeah. That sounds small because it is, but there have been drafts in the press where only four running backs have gone in the first three rounds. Like, the, when there's so much talent at the position, teams are not going to overdraft there. This class... You know, I think Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders are the two locks I would say to go in the first three day, the first three rounds. And then after that, I expect there to be one, one or two more picks. I just don't know. It could be Henderson, could be Montgomery, could be Harris, could be Hill, whatever. So yeah. running backs available again, Montgomery, Harris, Justice Hill, Devin Singletary. Eagles also looking at the needs right now. Edge is a big one. Uh, and if you take a look right now, edge is a position that obviously gets dried up much, much, much quicker. So right now we have players like Sutton Smith available. We have Wyatt Ray. Jalen Jelks out of Oregon, Malik Carney out of North Carolina. Uh, linebacker as well, still in need for Philadelphia. Tavon Coney out of Notre Dame, Jermaine Pratt, NC State. Trey Watson out of Maryland, Gary Johnson out of Texas. Do you want to see interior offensive line? Because I know you you like drafting those guys. Yeah, yeah, we can do that as well. And Bad I'll just news. say on the linebackers on the board right now, I don't think I have anybody over a fifth-round grade. So looking at the value that's there, it doesn't quite entice me quite yet. Yeah, man, interior offensive line dries up real quick in this class. Oh, yeah. Well, Michael Jordan at Ohio State. Bunchy Stallings, one of the best names of all time. Yeah, getting towards day three, man. That interior offensive line doesn't look like there's going to be a whole lot there for the Eagles. So if they wanted to get one, you got to get a Garrett Bradbury. You got to get a Chris Lindstrom early. A guy like Drew Samia, who I've mocked to the Eagles before at 57. Do you have to? I mean, you don't have to. <laughs> I'm saying if you want one. Right. That's what I'm, 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 Come I'm on saying. now. Work with me. What about wide receivers, man? We got any? We got anybody like for the future here that we we might want to develop? Darius Slayton burned in the four threes. Who else is there? I think that's the only burner really left on the board because those guys tend to go quick, right? Yeah, well, I mean, you've got 
Deshaun for the next two, three years. So I don't really think you need a burner burner. Antoine Wesley is a really nice above the rim guy. Jacoby Myers is that big slot type. And that big slot type is fun. Yeah. If you're assuming Nelson Aguilar is leaving in free agency, which I am, then getting the future slot makes sense. I will say I would think the Eagles would want to go smaller and quicker at slot because they already have a big slot. His name is Zach Ertz. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, in terms of how you actually deploy your players, I don't really think you need a 6'4 slot in Jacoby Myers. Or 6'3, excuse me. You won't need one when you select Noah Font. Yeah. Listen, I love Stanley Morgan. I think Stanley Morgan's a a fantastic player. He's going to be in the league for 10 years. He runs some of the best routes in this class. He has fantastic hands, and he's absolutely an NFL caliber athlete. Had a great combine. Was super quiet because everybody cared about DK. Fantastic combine. Like, they, to me, I mean, Morgan's easy round three grade. He might be close to round two. I can't remember. On my board. I think yeah. he's an amazing player. I picked him. I was doing a mock draft late last night, and I picked Stanley Morgan at, at 127. I wouldn't have an issue with it whatsoever. Is there anybody that you're pounding the table for in this area? I can wait on running back based on what's on the board out there, because there are guys that I like that I that I believe I can get later, seeing as only three have gone so far. I don't like interior offensive line. Uh, the wide receivers, other than Morgan, not really sold on any of those guys in that area necessarily. And then the edge guys, I'm not sold on. Linebacker, I'm not sold on. We've already got a safety. Right. We could look to add a cornerback, but like guys that I liked in day three that apparently aren't day three guys anymore, like Sean Bunting from Central Michigan, have been long gone. What are you thinking there at 127? If you know me, and you know how I've liked this draft class as a whole so far, you should know the one player I'm going to stand for right now. At what position? Might give it away, but edge. Oh, is it Wyatt Ray? Yes, it is Wyatt Ray. I would draft Wyatt Ray <laughs> at 127, sleeping in a heartbeat. Oh, man. No, you must say, Wyatt Ray was the foil to, jo- to Zach Allen, the Boston College edge slash interior defensive lineman. And Zach Allen's been getting some more love on the internet recently, and Zach Allen had a great combine, which... We kind of knew it was going to come. For me, off a film perspective with Zach Allen, I see a guy who's going to win in like six specific situations of the NFL. And if he goes to the other 26 teams, I just have no idea what's going to happen. Like he's not right. an edge rusher. He cannot rush the edge. He does not have enough of an explosive first step and then a bend profile to do it, period. So from the inside, okay, well, he's like two. What did he come into the combine as? He came into the combine a little heavier than I thought he was going to. And I've seen concerns from guys like John Owning who say who say he's a bit of a can crusher where he's beating up tomato cans. And that's where he's getting his production from. And you right. worry about how that translates to the next level. And oh, like, this is this is perfect. So, like, so he's like 280. And like if you look yeah. at his athletic comparisons on Mock Draftable, which obviously don't decide the world. But if you look at them, three that you see on defensive end are Fatal Brown, Cameron Hayward, Kevin Dodd. So like yeah. – Okay, he needs to be a 3-4 end in order to be successful. Well, you're just not getting right. that in a lot of places anymore. It's just not the way you're lining up your guys. So, you know, specific teams, sure, it goes well. I mean, one of his other main comparisons is like Gerald McCoy. Like, okay, well, great. If you can be Gerald McCoy in the interior, awesome. But I don't think he's that explosive. I don't think he's that quick. Anyway, that's just an aside on Zach Allen. Wyatt Ray was the other, other pitch. Wyatt Ray was the off speed, right? Wyatt Ray right. is, a, is a not nearly as big of a dude who wins with first-step quickness, and he has bend. And like I, this is like one of the things I love to say. If you, you can draft a guy who wins with his first step and can bend in like day three, just do it. And like it doesn't even matter anything else about his film. Like If there's yeah. a guy still on the board on round three who you know for a fact can bend the edge, and Wyatt Wright, 257, can bend the edge, like to me, it's just done. Yeah. Like I just like I, I have no more questions. Like That trade alone is going to be value on day three. That being said, 
Ray's good with his hands. Like, Ray has some good hand usage. It allows him to soften the edge up the arc. He does, he's not super strong against the run. He could be a lot more physical for 257. He doesn't have too many great counters right now. But if you have it, like, again, especially in Philadelphia system, if you have a guy who can win within the first three steps and he's still on the board at 127, done. Well, sign, steal, deliver it, man. Pick him. I Take love him. it. Let's see what happens. I mean, yeah, here we come right again at 138. You know, this is the, the fourth round comp. Where'd they get pick 138 from? Shoot. And as you look that up, I'll mention that Chuma Doga goes off the board here. If you're looking for an offensive tackle, we hadn't taken one already. Damian Harris is off. Tavon Coney is gone to the Buffalo Bills right before we pick at 138. Again, I have a, I think I have a sixth on Coney. I know some other people have a fifth. I don't think people are too high on him. He had weird tape, man. This is the uh, this is the Trey Burton comp pick. Ah, Trey Burton. Thank you, bud. We appreciate you. As I said, Damian Harris off the board, which means David Montgomery, Justice Hill, Devin Singletary are all there. No huge loss for having... Not selected a running back. Like, of the four, I probably would have stand for Harris over all of them. But I'll sleep yeah. at night. You know what I mean? Like, it's okay. A little bit of linebacker change. Coney's off. So now it's Jermaine Pratt, Trey Watson, Gary Johnson, who, man, Gary Johnson tested so well. Have you watched this film? I haven't yet. I've seen glimpses of him, but I haven't, like, looked at him in depth yet. Listen, somebody made some deal with some sort of demon deity to test the way he tested at the Combine. There is no way this dude is this athlete. I mean, he, he came into the combine at like 226 or something, which he just simply did not play at. Like, right. just like, honey, no. Yeah, he came in 226. He is not playing at 226. And he is not out there. Four four three. He's no. not, he's not he out would, there running run a 4 four three jumping over 10 inch no he's not jump broad jump over 10 feet it's not it's it's like okay that's funny because i saw him in passing because i was watching chris boyd too and i was watching you know guys like who's at the texas uh tech wide receiver was it antoine wesley i decided to watch a couple more games of boyd and i kept an eye on johnson and like i said if his play speed was like his testing speed he would have popped out at me and i was so desperate for linebackers at that point I would have definitely dug into his film. That that's yeah. not the case. And that like the one area where I can buy it is like his build up speed. Like he can fly a little bit. Like you were talking range. Right. I think he's he's like I wouldn't have expected four four three, but like I would have been like, oh, a fast forty, okay. Yeah. It's the explosiveness numbers where I'm like, no. Let's 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 talk about running back. So David Montgomery, Justice Hill, Devin Singletary from from FAU, who I who I like, but tested unfortunately poor. Rodney Anderson, who was my running back too on film but has some serious injury concerns and Eagles history there. Eagles can't draft an injury guy because right. it's just, Jay, like, we don't want to have the same problems. Yeah, I mean, at the running back position, there's really right. no reason to, especially mm-hmm. with the with the talent around him there. Travion right. Williams, I'm not sold on. I mean, this is where, me personally, I like Bruce Anderson, but I know I'm way higher on Bruce Anderson than you are. Yes. And also, Divina Zigbo would be a spot right here for me. Did you say Damian Harris was still on the board, the Alabama running back? No, so yeah, because the Falcons took him He's literally gone. one pick ago. No, Harris isn't there. Yeah, we waited and we screwed ourselves. Yeah, well, so that's like, like I, it's still okay. Like I'm happy with a lot of these guys. Yeah. In round four at one thirty eight, but like Harris would have been my dude. Let me put it to you this way. You know, it's the Eagles war room right now. Deuce Staley's in there, he's talking to Joe Douglas or whatever, and you know, Doug Peterson, Hi Roseman. And they say, listen, right, so we know Jordan Howard is our, he's going to run traps for us. He's going to run inside zone. He's going to run some power concepts. We want a running back who can run outside zone concepts, our our sweep concepts, and uh, catch the football and maybe a little bit of power concepts as well. So if we're looking at this, this list of guys, just the guys I have up on the screen right now, Mike, and I said outside zone, ability to catch the football, some power concepts. I There's a name to me that sticks out. Is it Justice Hill? Yeah, it's Justice Hill. Yeah, that's what I wanted to see. I wanted to see if we were going to have the same 
conception if we define the role yeah. more specifically. And yeah, just to me, Singletary, while he is shifty, doesn't benefit from outside zone. He's better in tight spaces, like in between the tackles, where he can manipulate guys and then push outside instead of running a whole outside zone and banging it upfield. He's also not as much of a pass-catching type. David Montgomery, in my opinion, lacks the explosiveness that you'd like from an outside one-cut upfield sort of a runner. That's where Justice Hill's going to be successful, being able to plant his foot, zoom upfield, a good burst as a player. Uh, I wish he had more elusiveness. I wish he was more willing to cut it upfield. That's something you can work with when you're picking a 138. I like the pick. I like his change of direction, man. He is shifty in the open field. So I like the the value that he brings there. Another a couple of guys that I was thinking of for that kind of role. You know, you look at like a Dar- Darwin Thompson from Utah State, who I know I'm higher on than uh, than than you are as far as a pass catcher. I mean, there's a guy with over 200 career catches at Washington State, James Williams, yeah. who is excellent for them in the passing game. But I like the fit with Justice Hill. I like the way that you contextualized all of that. So we're going to take Justice Hill as our complimentary back, and that brings us to pick 163. So what have we filled so far? We've got safety, offensive tackle, edge, interior defensive line, running back. What else are we really – I don't because I, I don't feel like we need to reach for a need here, especially since like we're not going to get anybody that's going to contribute day one like in, in a big manner. So yeah. we can kind of take a guy that we love that kind of fell, you know what I mean? No, I feel you. The, the biggest need remaining right now is linebacker. It's a bad class for him. Right. My, my, my thing with linebacker is this. Like linebacker is – simultaneously not a huge need for the eagles in my opinion but also like it doesn't make sense for them to draft a late round guy because you have bradham or you have bradham and then you have Camus, gary uh uh warlow fort you know what i mean like you have the depth established the only way i think the eagles make a linebacker pick and this is such an important thing that goes underappreciated and this is what mike and i always like to talk about with roster building like, you can't just say, oh, well, we might need a guy here so we get a late-round guy. Well, like, depth and starter are two different things. And so, like, yeah. you know, if the Eagles don't go linebacker early, I don't think they go linebacker late because then you're just going to end up cutting a guy who is a good enough depth piece. Like, the Eagles have five guys who, if they walked in, you know, tomorrow with those five, it's fine. Adding a sixth, yep. you know, in, like, the fifth round doesn't solve the problem, quote-unquote, of, like, we need another starter. You know what I mean? Like, that would have to be a, one of the first three picks. So... I'm not like if they if you want to get a linebacker here, like, you know, to me, like I think Ben Burke Kerbin could be a starter out of Washington. So like yeah. I would draft him to go start. I just don't, you know, like first I don't think Burke Kerbin will still be around here. Um, but also like I just don't think that, you know, like the Eagles are gonna approach it that way. So I agree. We can look and kind of just draft somebody who's fallen. Wide receiver wise, uh Stanley Morgan is still around, Demarcus Lodge is still around, uh David Sills out of West Virginia, who we know they like, as well as Gary Jennings out of West Virginia, still around. If we go a little bit deeper, you got like a Terry Beckner as a penetrating type, Chris Slayton as well. Kendall Sheffield, great athlete at the corner position, needs a ton of work. Derek Thomas is 6'3 with vines, man. Like he's a super huge body, good developmental corner out of Baylor. Uh, so quarterbacks around, I think Philadelphia is going to either, well, like to me, I think Philly goes Carson, veteran, Nate, or Carson, Nate, period. You know what I mean? Like, I don't really right. think they draft the developmental guy. Yeah, and it's interesting because you heard Jeffrey Lurie say that, you know, he wants to draft, he wants to continually draft quarterbacks at the NFL annual meeting. If they were to do it at this spot, this is where I frequently would take Brett Rippon out of Boise State if he were to fall. He's a little more ready. He just doesn't have the tools that you project to a big upside. But he comes in, he can be a spot starter for you, no question in my opinion. He's got NFL bloodlines, he's mm-hmm. accurate. We talk about him all the time on the QB Sco show. So if I were to take a developmental quarterback, that would be my quarterback in this round. However, when you were scrolling, we there was a guy on the board still that we like that could be a valuable depth piece. 
that can help fill out the depth at wide receiver, not only short-term and long-term as well, but Stanley Morgan Jr., that's my guy right there I from love Nebraska. It. You don't need to convince me. And like like I was talking about drafting for depth versus starters, like when you start looking at drafting in round five, round six, or whatever, you need to look at the places where a guy can actually stick on your roster. You know what I mean? Like wide receiver right. four is a place a player could stick. Right now, the Eagles don't have one of those guys. So it's a different conception. It's not just like, where is it weak? It's like, where is depth weak? He can take snaps from Shelton Gibson or take a role from Shelton Gibson, and he can press Matt Collins for his job, and you're looking a little bit better in that wide receiver room. Anywhere. Like, I would play Morgan yep. at, the, at the slot, at the X, up at the line, as the Z off the line. Anywhere, I'd be happy with it. And so, great guy to have if Alshon goes down for six games. Boom. Like, you, yep. you have the ability to exactly. put him at the X, and he'll survive. So, here we are at 197. This is our final pick, if I'm not mistaken, right? Uh, yeah. Because the uh, Eagles <laughs> traded their seventh to the Patriots as part of getting Jordan Mailata, moving up for him. Uh, and then, also, uh, they had a seventh from the Allen Barber trade. But then they sent that to the Bears for my favorite player in the world, DeAndre Hall. See, this is this is where I just I just take ripping and say forget about it because I'm looking around the board and I don't really yep. see anything that I'm that I'm loving. I think you could add to your interior defensive tackle depth if you want to double up there. Ricky Walker out of Virginia Tech is around. Albert Huggins again out of Clemson. Cortez Broughton is around. I love Cortez Broughton. He's a fun player. Johanna Guy Fawn is also a great penetrator out of Wyoming. He's got off field stuff that he's currently going through do you think they'll want to get a guy to press a Trayvon Hester there or, I mean do do they do the Eagles really need to double down there but it's weird again this is someone six round that's just going to come in and try to compete for a job and is definitely not a lock on the roster so I can see pretty much going anywhere with this pick so I could see interior defensive line and you know names like Michael Dogby out there what other positions do we think if, if if we're looking in the sixth round, we're looking for a guy who can contribute on special teams too. That's mm-hmm. that's an added bonus. Maybe uh-huh. cornerback, maybe I mean again we go back to linebacker at cornerback. Who do we have here? Is there anybody enticing? Maybe Tim Harris from Virginia, right. Jimmy Moreland from uh, James Madison, who's a little bit smaller of a cornerback, but a feisty dude. I saw him down at the uh, at the Shrine Week. Savion Smith from Alabama. I love Savion Smith's film. I just don't think he's ever gonna be healthy for the rest of his life. Have you seen Clifton Duck? From Appalachian I've State. I've seen some like highlights of him, which he's a scrappy son of a gun, but he's like yeah. five three. Like he's like a regular human <laughs> being so size, which is a problem. <laughs> I just love his name. There's, I mean, there's also who is the other cornerback that I just saw you scroll past there? Uh, Amon Marshall, USC, highly touted uh, recruit. If I'm not mistaken, I think Daniel Daniel Jeremiah said move him to safety and he'll play a long time in the league. So I mean, there are some guys there at corner if you're looking for mm-hmm. special teams health and to add depth. But again, I mean, there's so many cornerbacks in that freaking cornerback room. Mm-hmm. It's hard to think that anybody really has a chance to stick there. My thing with the move him on Marshall to safety bit is move him on Marshall to safety and he'll continue to be a spoiled diva who tries to rely exclusively on his athleticism at safety. Like, ah, you know what I mean? I don't really think it solves his problems. Yeah. Yeah. Tricky. Don't think adding another running back makes sense. Don't think adding another wide receiver makes sense. Those are a lot of your guys that you look at as potential returners. Linebacker still available. Safety, you've already got four that you're rostering, so I don't see them going there again. I don't know. To yeah. me, the positions that make sense are, yeah, adding another pass rusher or adding another trench player in terms of interior offensive line. Offensive tackle, they already obviously have their developmental guy in Jordan Mailata. If you want to add a developmental offensive guard like Alex Bars, yeah. Garrett Brumfield, guys who are like Brumfield test out of his mind at LSU – their pro day. Yeah. Problem is he's 285 pounds. Yelta Froholt, <laughs> who we talked about in the last podcast out of Arkansas, also still around. I'm very down for Yelta at this point. That'd be fun for me. Yeah, let's go Yelta. We talked about him. He's an official visit for the Eagles. Let's take him. Let's develop that interior offensive Listen, line. I've I have long been a proponent of eight 
53-man roster into your offensive lineman. I think that's the right way to go about it. And so here yeah. you've got your starting five, and then you keep probably Yadney, yeah. Pryor, and Yelta active on game day. You try to trade right. Big V if you're drafting Yadney, which is something we haven't talked yeah. about that much on the podcast, but if the Eagles draft tackle in the first three rounds, they've got to move on from Big V. And that means you're leaving like Jordan Mailata still unactive, which I think makes sense. That that eight right there is a great, great, great group. And I like that you brought up trading Big V because people keep talking about, well, who are we going to keep active? Are we going to subject, you know, Mylata to, to getting poached or what do we do? No, you trade Halapoli Vatsivaitai. There will be there will be a team that will send you a decent day three pick for oh. there'll be multiple teams who will send you that that for, for Big V because he's started before. And that's like all yeah. you need is an offensive tackle to be valuable starts. What if Bobby Hart got like seven mil a year for the Cincinnati Bengals? Like teams are starred for offensive tackles. Exactly. So regardless of the value that Big V brings, he might bring more value in the way of trade value. So I'm all for moving on from Big V if we draft Yadni Kajus there at 57 or Kaylee McGarry or one of those guys. Let's do the rundown of the picks that we have here. Ben, you want to shout those out? Pick 25, Christian Wilkins, interior defensive lineman out of Clemson. Pick 53, Darnell Savage, safety out of Maryland. Pick 57, Yadni Kajus, offensive tackle out of West Virginia on to day three. Uh, At 127, Wyatt Ray, the edge out of Boston College. Grandfather was Nat King Cole. Really? Heck yeah, brother. 138. Running back, Justice Hill out of Oklahoma State, 163, Stanley Morgan Jr., the wide receiver out of Nebraska. And finally, at 197, the yodeler, Yelta Frohl, interior <laughs> office lineman out of Arkansas. So that is our seven-round mock, doing it live on the Draft Network's mock draft machine. As always, hit us up with your mock drafts. We'll tell you what we like about it, what we don't like about it at Michael Kist NFL, at Benjamin Solak on Twitter. I'm doing part of Ben's bit here, and he's going to get upset at me. So, Ben, before I get too carried away with myself and before we get out of here, I need you to say goodbye to the gentle listeners. Bye. That That's it? Well, you're just, what else I review? <laughs> and the five stars, I was being, like, standoffish. I was being passive-aggressive. You know what I mean? I was like, I don't even care. <laughs> uh, review the thing because click on the star. And five, thank you. Ben, you saw we got up to 24th. In Apple Podcast Sports and Rec rankings over the weekend. Heck yeah, man! And also, I we passed Adam Schefter again, but I can't yeah. criti- I can't be excited about that anymore because now <laughs> Schefter follows me. Which like, okay, that was a very humble brag. Sorry, but now Schefter follows me. I like I feel like I can't be like ah, sorry, Schefter, we passed you in the podcast rankings. To like <laughs> ah, bet I have seven point three million Twitter followers. I'm like, oh, that's a good point, Adam. That's my bad. Like, why does this guy got be with me? I don't understand it. So yeah, uh, rate the thing, review the thing, subscribe to the thing listening is nice we are friends we all we got we all we need fly eagles fly we all we need P-G-N. what does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.